I want to begin in John chapter 17, and I want to look at this prayer. We've been talking about prayer in this church. I don't know about you guys, but I've been super encouraged by this series that Pastor Jeff is going through. This is a powerful series. Um, we're having the Tuesday night prayer, I mean Tuesday morning prayer, early in the morning, 6.30. Um, so many ministries around in this church are really focusing on prayer. We got the healing room going on right now. I mean, prayer is the thing, and it should always be the thing, but it is a consecrated time in this church. And I'm believing God is going to do some miraculous things that we've never even thought of coming into this year. Amen. Everyone believe that. You believe God's going to break some chains. Amen. We should be, right? But look at this prayer that Jesus prayed before he was brutally beaten and ultimately pinned up on the cross. He said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love me even, excuse me, love them even as you love me. And so tonight I want to talk about Jesus' prayer for unity among believers. And, and we're going to look at some of the barriers to unity in the body of Christ. What are some of the barriers that are keeping, when I say unity in the body of Christ, I'm talking about, I want to specifically hone in on the American church. I'm not specifically saying here, although, you know, some toes might get stepped on tonight by the word of God. It's all right though, right? It's all right to come in and let the word of God do surgery on us. We need that, right? Amen. There can never come healing, spiritual healing, unless the surgical work of God through his word happens. Amen. And so, you know, when we think, when we think about unity, I, th I thought about how, you know, we all have a need to belong, right? We all have a, want a sense of belonging. We had that longing for a belonging, right? And God knew this from the very beginning in Genesis. It's, it's amazing to me that after the six days of creation, he was saying, it is good. And then after he created Adam from the dust, one of the things he said there, and Adam, you know, he's just doing God's work. He's not thinking about this. But God said, it is not good that man is alone. Everything I created, he saw it and he said it was good. He got to man being alone. It's not good. And so you know the story. He provided him a, a helpmate in Eve. But even in a broader general sense, you know, we all need relationships. Not just family, but some friends to call on. In tough times, right? And when we got saved, when we got born again, God has baptized us into the family of Christ. And now our family has enlarged. In fact, some of us could probably say uh, that the body of Christ is more family than their blood family, right? I know I can say that as well. Um, I, so many people in the body of Christ has helped me throughout the years, and I'm so thankful for that. And so that's what I want to look at tonight Um in this passage, we see that Jesus, before he was taken to the cross, he prayed this, not just for the disciples, but for all believers, okay? That we may all be one just as he and the Father are one. 
Jesus the Son and God the Father, and let me also say this, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a person, they're all one. In the beginning, God said, let us, Jesus, God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. They were in unison in the very beginning. And so he's saying, I want this for you as well. I want this for you. He says, Jesus only speaks what the Father speaks, and they only does what the Father does, and that is the same should be for us. Are we speaking what Jesus speaks? Are we doing what Jesus does? Our fellowship with each other must correspond with this. The unity of the Spirit, Christ in us, and we in Christ, makes us into one. And I like the phrase where he said that the world may believe. You know, the world sometimes look at the church and say, man, they're just divided as we are. I don't see a distinction. I don't see a difference. And that is not the way Jesus wanted it. You know, I, I believe that if Jesus prays a prayer, I mean, you can kind of figure that's going to be answered, right? So if he prayed that we're going to be one, just like him and the Father, then we're going to be one. We may, we may not always be one, and we may not be one right now in America, but the prayer that Jesus prayed is not going to fall on deaf ears. It's going to happen. It's going to be accomplished. And so we serve the same God. We're united under the same banner. We, we've been washed in the same blood. We share the same joys. Uh, uh, we're a part of the same family of believers. We have the same desires and we're going to the same heaven and we are fighting against the same devil. Amen? Putting him under our feet. And so our relationship with Christ should reflect unity with one another. In fact, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the love you show to one another. He could have said anything else, but he focused in on the love. This is going to be the mark. Not that you can cast out demons, not that you can heal the sick, not that you can preach or teach very well. The world's not going to know you're a believer by that, but they will know when we see you come together in love and unity. That's when they're going to know. Amen. Give God some praise for that. And so our relationship with Christ needs to reflect that. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree on everything. But we must strive for the unity and the bond of peace. And so this is Jesus' prayer. And so what kind, I mean, just think about this. What kind of impact and force would just happen here in America if the church could just get together and be unified? I mean, you want to talk about revival? You want to talk about a spiritual awakening? If we individually can get on one accord with what Jesus is saying and what he is doing, and then that spreads to one another, and we truly reflect what it should look like in heaven, man, we're going to see so many people come to Christ, and that's exactly what I want to see. How about you? Amen. But as I look at the church in America, and I'm not, again, not talking about any local assembly. If I take the church as a whole, I don't really see that. I don't really see the church operating in that way as it did in the book of Acts. If you go back and you look in the book of Acts chapter 2, you will see the early church. And the Bible says the early church met together regularly. They shared all things in common, right? There was nobody that lacked. If someone was lacking, then others were saying, no, 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 we're not, we're going to take care of you. And they would take care of them. They shared meals together. They prayed for one another. 
And the very first time they met and they did all this, the Bible says 3,000 people got saved that day. That is amazing. God moves in unity. God moves when we're on the same page, saying the same things and doing the same things. God can move in that. I want to see him move. Amen. So there's so many different reasons. And I just want to look at a few tonight that I believe that are barriers to the unity in Christ in the church. Now, there's good division when you have different roles that people play. The Bible talks about uh, we're all members of one body, and, you know, there's, there's a hand, and there's a, you know, he uses similes here. There's the ear, and the ear can't do what the hand can do, and vice versa, and the mouth. And, you know, we all have different functions and different roles, and, and in some sense, that is some dividing there. That's some good division, but there's bad division. There's disunity. There is disunity in you're not on equal playing ground than I am. And that is where God is saying, that's not right. If any of us think that we're better than the other person, then we are not in Christ. Because Christ never came to the world like that, right? Christ came, he said, I did not come to be served as if I'm some head honcho and some king, even though, yeah, he is, right? I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. I came to get low and wash the disciples' feet, something that the Pharisees wouldn't even do. Showing that he had humility. And he wasn't doing it for a show. He was setting an example for us, for all believers. And sometimes we've got to get low and get and hang out with some people that we probably, uh, you know, some church folk don't want us to hang out with. But Jesus did. Jesus wasn't scared. He wasn't scared of man's opinion. He was only wanting to please the Father. And so first of all, in regards to salvation, no one is favored more than another. It's an even playing field at the cross because we're all born into sin and we all need the Savior. We all need the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins. So we're all on equal footing. And that is such a great thing. That's such a great thing because, you know, when I was in school, I wasn't a popular kid. But, you know, I had that sense of wanting to belong and I wanted to be. And so I would dress like the popular kids. I would try to hang out with the popular kids. I would try to talk like the popular kids. And they rejected me. But when I came to the cross... I didn't have to be popular. I didn't have to act a certain way. I could be who I was, and God was going to change me from the inside out. And I just thank God for salvation. Anybody in here grateful that God has saved you? And it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter anything about your background. God's saying, I welcome you all and come to the cross and receive salvation. It's so amazing. God has set it up that way. We're all baptized into Christ, so there's no special privileges gained. In Galatians 3.26, it says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither a slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And so the first barrier that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart is outward appearances, the way someone looks. Now, this is something that, you know, we we talk about a lot with the teenagers, but I think it affects adults as well. I think we don't associate with certain people because of the way they look. And I'm going to show you in the Word of God how God is not pleased with that. He's not. In America, we have these invisible 
dividing walls that we have built on our own. Some of it's political, uh, some of it's education, socioeconomic, uh, religion, popularity, the list can go on. But perhaps the greatest division is over race. Don't get quiet on me now. Do you know race is a man-made thing to divide us? I'm going to show you that. The Bible only speaks of the human race. Yeah, I know we have different ethnicities, creed, cultures. We look differently, things like that. But we should celebrate our diversity and embrace who God has made us. I mean, because God is not, he's not looking down and saying, that's a white person, that's a black person, that's an Asian, that's Hispanic. He's not looking like that. I'm telling you, he doesn't look through lenses like that. We are made in his image. We are created in his likeness. He does not look at us like that. And I understand we're not God. I understand, you know, we look at people like that. And that's fine. We can celebrate our diversity and embrace that, that our, we have differences. But the bottom line is this. In Christ Jesus, we are all the same. We all bleed the same. We all have the same struggles to some extent. Come on, somebody talk to me. We have the same God that we save in the, uh, serve in the body of Christ. We've been saved by the same blood. So, that, so that, this might be going on outside of the church, in the world, being divided because I don't like you because of your skin color or because of your background. But that should not be happening in the church. That is conforming to the world. And I'm telling you right now, that is not what the word of God tells us. I recall when um, Moses married a woman of a different race. Race, I use that term loosely. And you know the story, Miriam, his sister, did not agree with that. She's like, no, we should be marrying other Hebrews. And Moses didn't do that. And so the Bible says that God was not pleased with Miriam grumbling and murmuring because of that interracial relationship. And he struck her down with leprosy. I mean, that ought to tell you right there, right? That's just one example. (laughs) That's just one example. But look, man looks on the outside. God looks at the heart. And since we have come under the blood, now he looks at us in Jesus. He says we have, we have died with Christ, we were buried with Christ, we were resurrected with Christ, and we are seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. We are in Christ. We put on Christ. When we got saved, we are in Christ. It's time for us to be looking like Christ, speaking like Christ, and doing things like Christ because we're already in Christ. The heavenly perspective. Acts chapter 17 verse 26 says, And he made from one man every nation, and that word nation in the Greek is ethnos, which is a race, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Let's jump over to 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Christ, excuse me, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks. Or in other words, Jews or Gentiles, in, in, to Paul's audience, believers, non-believers. 
Slaves are free and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So in the church, we are many members, but we're one body. We belong to Christ. I'm so thankful to belong to Christ. Someone once said, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. And when you think about it, and I understand, you know, we, we, you know, we like a certain style of music. We, we're used to being a certain, around a certain type of people. When I got saved, I was, I was raised as a young minister, got saved and raised as a young minister in a predominantly black church. And I, you, you would not even know that though, unless you looked at my skin color. I was not treated any differently. I was embraced, and I didn't know how to react when I first got there, but it wasn't because of, of skin color. My first thought was, they're going to reject me because I'm coming in here looking like trash. <laughs> Just coming from the club that night, you know, and waking up one of my friends because he had no idea that his father was a minister, and we just got through drinking and, and having a good time at the club, and he's like, let's go to church. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? To, to go in there, probably having liquor on my breath, but no one judged me. Everyone welcomed me with open arms and treated me like I was family. So to me, it wasn't a color issue from the very beginning, but I stayed in that church for 10 years and served under my pastor, who I consider my spiritual father. And for, the, for the, those 10 years, 95% of the time, I was the only non-black there. But the Lord worked in miraculous ways and used me in so many ways to reach people that I would have never reached before. So what am I saying? You know, on Sunday mornings, we do have churches like that. We have churches that are predominantly white, predominantly black, pre predominantly Hispanic, predominantly Asian. And I do get that. But what, where is the, the line going to get crossed? Where we're going to go across the aisle and shake hands with someone that doesn't look like us and say, you know what? We serve the same God. Let's do the same work together, no matter what kind of background we have. Because I'm telling you, the world looks at that. And they're looking at it from a perspective, and to some sense, it's probably right. But they look at it as perspective as, man, they're just divided by race, just like we are in the world. Why do I need to go to church? I love multiculturalism. Most of you know I'm in an interracial marriage. Uh, the neighborhood I live in is multicultural. The church I go to, multicultural. I mean, I knew God set this up for a reason way back when I got saved. I saw it. I saw it developing. Someone came to this church a few years ago and prophesied the same thing. And so the barriers need to come down. We need to celebrate our unity in Christ. God does not show favoritism. It's very clear in the scriptures. Ephesians 2 11, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. Now, this was a term of ridicule that the Jews would say to non-believers, you're uncircumcised. It was name calling. He says, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now... Come on, somebody say, but now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I thank God I'm not an alien anymore. I've been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
Hallelujah. He says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. When that veil was torn from top to bottom, that not only symbolized our access to God anytime we want 24-7, but that also symbolized that that dividing wall between us and God of hostility is gone. It also symbolized that dividing wall between any believers in Christ should be gone. It's only when man tries to interject his opinions and his thoughts, not based on the word of God, when we get in trouble. But if we always go back to the word, we're never going to fail. We need to stick to the word of God. Look at this. So we're all descendants of Adam. Every single human being came from Adam. If you think about that, we all did. We're all alike on the inside. We have this sinful nature that we were born into because of Adam. We're all on the same playing field. We all need the Savior. So we just need to call it what it is. Racism is evil. It's of the devil. And it should not have its place in the body of Christ. We are all on equal footing. The only hope for reconciliation in this nation and in our churches is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. The gospel will set us free. When Jesus was on earth, he did not spend a lot of time with the religious elite. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And they caught him hanging out with prostitutes, tax collectors. They caught him hanging out with the sick. They caught him hanging out with the lame. They caught him hanging out with the poor. But Jesus didn't care about their, their thoughts and their opinions of him. He even hung out with the Samaritans, who the, who the Samaritans said, we don't have any dealings with the Jews. And it's not because the Samaritans didn't want to have any dealings. It's because the Jews set up those walls and said nobody should be associating with them. But Jesus said, I've come to break down those walls. I'm not trying to get favor of man. I want favor of my father. I came to do what he called me to do. I thank God that Jesus broke those barriers down. That I could have that opportunity. That you could have that opportunity. He loved, Jesus loved people of all backgrounds and he still does today. He treated the least of these as important. And so should we. Number two, another barrier that I was thinking about was customs and traditions. You know, some would celebrate this day as holy or um, this holiday or eat this kind of food or whatever. And Paul talks about that in Romans 14. He says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And so... Paul is talking about some recent Jewish converts who, who got converted over to the faith that we believe in, and he called them the weak, right? And he was using this not to, to diminish them or anything like that, but he was saying they, they were still taking some of the law and taking that over into Christianity. So they would say, well, we consider this day holier than this day, and so we can't do any work on this day. Or, you know, we're only going to eat vegetables because this is what they learned in the Jewish custom, and now you've got some Gentiles, that's us, who got saved, and we have this liberty now because of Christ. 
But he tells us a couple of things here. One of them is not in this passage, but he says, do not be a stumbling block, block to your brother. In other words, if they're only eating vegetables, you shouldn't ridicule them. You shouldn't mess with them. And you, you really should do this. You should eat vegetables too so that you will not create a fall for them. That's the love that, that God is expecting, right? That's the love that he's showing. If they regard the Sabbath as holy and they say it's Saturday, then so be that. You don't need to ridicule them and say, why are you going to church on Saturday? You know, we go on Sunday. You're free in that, but that is their conviction. You understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, Jesus dealt with this too in his time. Someone's, you know, uh, uh, sick on the Sabbath or got a deformity and, and he goes and heals them and the Pharisees are right there. You know, it's amazing. The Pharisees, they're like the paparazzi. They're just following Jesus all over the place. If they had cameras, they would be in the bushes. They'd be sh- sh- taking pictures and trying to show everybody else, look what Jesus did here. They'd be having a People magazine, you know, a TMZ. You know, they'd be all over the place, right? And Jesus told them one time, look, this is ridiculous. If, if, your, if your donkey fell into a well on the Sabbath, you're just going to let him sit there and die? No, you're going to pull him out. But because he healed on the Sabbath, they said that's forbidden, that's work. Jesus came to break down, break off those customs and those traditions. He got, he got ridiculed one time because, oh, master, why are your disciples eating food without washing their hands? I mean, I kind of agree, wash your hands before you eat, you know, you should probably do that. <laughs> but, but what they were doing is, they were straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. They're picking apart everything he was doing. And Jesus is like, look, I am the Sabbath. <laughs> you talking about the Sabbath? Right here, I'm the Sabbath. <laughs> you want to talk about what to eat? Eat my body, right? Eat my flesh is what he said, right? In other words, you have all these man-made customs and traditions, and that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's what you believe, that's great. But don't try to put it on other people who are free. And I see that so many times in churches. I, I've been to a lot of churches early on when I was a minister and, and, and preached at churches and just visited. And, and I've seen all these, all these customs and traditions. I remember going into a, um, I think it was a, a funeral. It felt like a funeral. It might have been a wedding. But <laughs> it, was, it was crazy because all the guys were on this side. All the girls were on this side. Everyone was dressed the same. The guys had the exact same haircut. And I stuck out like a sore thumb. And I felt weird because I don't have that haircut. I don't have that same suit on. It was like a bunch of clones, and it was really freaking me out, right? <laughs> but you know what? There's so many different denominations, and that's great. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think God necessarily has a problem with that. Um, as long as traditions and customs do not violate the commandments of God... As long as we're not trying to load people down with things that are not even in the Bible. I mean, seriously, come on. You come in here, you can wear jeans, right? The Bible doesn't say anything about you guys wearing jeans, right? Go right ahead if you want to, respectfully, right? But you do know there are churches where you can't do that. And if that's their rule, that's fine. Just like Paul said, when I was in, in Rome, I became a Roman. Conform as long as you don't violate your conscience. As long as you don't violate the word of God. And so, you know, I started thinking about denominations, though, and I don't think that's going to be like that in heaven. That's another man-made thing. 
I mean, do you honestly think there's a section for the Baptist here and the Methodist and, you know, enter into the Methodist gate, enter into the Baptist gate. Oh, wait a second. You're Pentecostal or you're going to go back there with those loud, crazy people, right? That's not how it's going to be in heaven. We need to reflect heaven. Just because you're a different denomination doesn't mean I can't fellowship with you. I've been to places where, you know, they've asked, are you non-denomination? They can't give you a little weird look like, like you're a cult or something. I just believe in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. But they're also, yeah, we just, just stick to the word of God. You won't go wrong. But there are some disputable matters that we can agree to disagree on because they're not really clear in the Bible. Um, what are some of those? Uh, some of the ones I thought about was, um, should you date or not? I mean, I get this a lot with the teenagers. You know, they want to know, do we date? Well, I mean, the Bible doesn't say too much about that, right? Um, so we can, you know, I can say no dating, just courting and be like real old school. And they're going to look at me crazy, right? They will. They're already laughing over there. They'll probably be like, what is courting, you know? And, and you think about this, though. The Bible is not clear on some things, and so we may disagree. We may disagree if we should use grape juice or wine at communion, right? I mean, we may disagree on that, but these are not things that should divide us. These are not things that should separate us, right? There's this guy, and I'm going to butcher his name. His name is Rupertus Meldenius. He's a German Lutheran theologian of the 17th century. You've probably heard this quote, though. He said, in essentials, unity. What are the essentials? Jesus was born of a virgin. He died for our sins. He, he, he is God in the flesh, right? He was sinless, right? He, he resurrected from the grave. Uh, you know, just a ton of essentials there that are the foundations of our Christian faith. And he says, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. As long as in all things, we're operating in the love of God, then we can agree to disagree on things. You may say, I don't like the color of the carpet, and I say, man, this is the perfect color. I don't like the chairs because they're discolored, you know. We should have kept them all the same color. But don't let that divide. It's just an opinion at the end of the day. I promise you, and I, told, I tell this in Awakening, I've literally seen a family leave a church because when I first came into the faith, I was in a small church, so you just know what everything is going on. You know everybody's business. You know what I'm talking about. It's like a small town, right? And, and I literally saw a minister leave the church because he didn't get a thank you card. I've seen, I've seen a family leave because they were told to stop eating french fries in the sanctuary. <laughs> You're laughing, but I'm serious. And I could go on and on and on. Listen, guys, these little minuscule things, they're not the love of God. Childish, immature, which brings me to my last point. Gossip, slander, and as Pastor just said in his book and other favorite pastimes. Jealousy, strife, comparison, taking sides, all those divide a church. A gossiper or a slanderer's goal is to build themselves up to make others look bad. God is not pleased with that. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. 
but only such a good as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The Bible says a whisperer will separate closest of friends. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you, you, you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And, he, and Paul's saying, look, it's been reported to me by Chloe's people, whoever she is, not, it's not Chloe Kardashian or anybody like that, young guys over here, you know what I'm talking about. It's been reported to me that Chloe's people, there's quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Paulus, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Absolutely not. He even addressed it. He was really getting on the Corinthians, the church at Corinth, about this because a few chapters later, he's still talking about it, and he says that the church was being immature, acting carnal, fleshly. They were on milk and not meat. You know, he just was going on and on and on. So apparently in Paul's time, there was people picking leaders over others. I only follow this person. I only follow that. I didn't baptize you, Paul's saying. You weren't baptized in my name. You're baptized in the name of Jesus. I remember a time when, when uh, uh, Jesus' disciples were, were saying, man, John's disciples, they're baptizing more, you know. And Jesus is like, he basically like, who cares? It's all for the same cause. We're not in competition. We're not here to compare. And what I see in the body of Christ today is a lot of that going on. I see celebrity preachers. I see people following people just because of a name. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, so-and-so is going to be there? Well, I'm going to be there. Well, what about God? Is it not good enough that God's going to be there? I mean, I promise you I'm not your favorite preacher. I know I'm not. I cringed when Pastor Jeff announced Sunday that I'm going to be bringing the word Wednesday because I'm like, oh, ain't nobody going to be there then because they want Pastor Jeff, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but you understand that that's carnal? When Pastor Jeff's not here on a Sunday, where are we at? We don't like Pastor Sonny? He's good too. God uses him. God speaks through him. Come on, I'm trying to tell you what happens in the body of Christ, and God is not glorified in that. He's not. I don't care how you slice it. He's not glorified in that. If we're following man, we're not following God. If we're trying to please man, we're not trying to please God. It's plain and simple in the scripture. When I first started preaching the gospel, a young minister, I think I was about age 22, almost 23. Man, I had some, there were some older folks in the church who would pick my messages apart. I mean, oh my goodness. It got so discouraging. I would get through preaching a message on a Sunday and they would come up to me and say, you know, you said this and that's not right. Or you shouldn't be doing that. Why are you wearing those clothes? And I'm young. I just got saved, you know, two years ago. I got this fire word burning in me. And what I need from you is encouragement, not discouragement. I may not have it all right right now, but I promise you, if you're praying for me, something's going to happen. And too many times, too many times, if I can just say it, too many times in churches, not in this church, because I, I, I know the heartbeat of this church being here now 11 years, too many times we have... So many younger people who feel like they can't be involved in church and they just don't even come because they feel like they're going to be judged and looked down upon. 
That's, that, again, that's going to kill the church in the long run. Because we don't live forever, guys. <laughs> the next generation is right behind us ready to take that baton. But are we going to give it to them? Are we going to be faithful to pass on the gospel or are we just going to let it set in us? I thank God for a spiritual father who was not holding back on the knowledge of the word of God. He discipled me. He shared things with me that he learned in seminary that cost him thousands of dollars and hard work and time and blood, sweat, and tears, and he labored over that, but he said, I'm going to show you because I don't believe in holding in knowledge. Why do I need to hold in knowledge? I could die and go to my grave with a whole bunch of knowledge, and that's where it's going to set. Just set right there. I need to be passing it on, and I thank God that he passed it on because it helped me grow. It helped me become a father. It helped me become a husband. It helped me become a man of God and to rightly divide the word of God, and this next generation coming up, they need us to do that. So, in closing, this is what I want us to do. Um, I'll just summarize it. All parts and members of the body. We have all functions. We have gifts. We have, you know, God has placed us here for a reason in this local assembly to work as a unit together. We're not in competition with one another. He made us different and diverse so that we would bring glory to his name. Isn't he a, a wonderful father? Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So the focus must be on Jesus and bringing glory to God and not on man. If I can have Jacob come on up. I want us to stand, and here's, here's what I want us to do is he's going to play. I'm going to read this scripture, and then I want us to pray. And I want us to get out of our comfort zone. If that's okay with you, I want us, we did this Friday night and we did this with the youth on Sunday. Um, and it was so powerful. We got into groups. We just went around and got about three or four people around us and we just prayed for one another. And I want, I want us to do that tonight because we're talking about prayer in this church. That is the theme. Supernatural is the theme for 2019 and it comes through the vehicle of prayer. And I believe if we pray for one another, chains can break off. Look, let me go back to the point about our favorite preacher, or our favorite anointed man of God. I'll have my kids lay hands on me when I'm sick. Because I know they're innocent before God. And how can, not, how can God not answer a prayer from one of them? Just sweet prayers, right? They don't have even the clue of some of the stuff they're praying for. They just seen mommy and daddy do it, and they and they seen Pastor Ray, and they've seen people in the church. So hey, I need to do it. And it's so pure and innocent that how can you think God's just up there like, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer. That's that's weak. Come back when your vocabulary is better. No. What am I trying to say is this: you know how to pray, and you know how to pray for somebody. Does everyone in here know how to talk to somebody? Hallelujah! You know how to pray for somebody then, and you don't need some some big name up here to, to lay hands on you to get healed you don't God spoke through a donkey and, deliver, and gave a word <laughs> he can use anybody and he can use you I'll read this scripture and then I want us to pray may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to just kind of get out of your comfort zone. Find a few people to hook up with and you guys just pray. We're going to pray for about five minutes. Father, I thank you, God, that your word will not come back void. God, help us as a local body of Christ. Help us as the body of Christ in America and throughout the world to reflect the love of Jesus Christ. To be one as you, Jesus, are with the Father. Help us to say the things you say, to do the things you do, to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let that mind be in each and every one of us, God. God, I believe we can turn the tide of America back to you, God. I believe we can stop abortion in this country right now, God. I believe we can stop racism in this country right now, God. If the church would come together, unified by the blood of Christ, and pray, anything is possible. All things are possible for them that believe. And so right now, God, I just ask, Holy Spirit, come. Come right now move in this sanctuary as we begin to to spread out and pray so right now just go ahead and 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 just find somebody two or three or four people get in a group try not to go to the people you're familiar with introduce yourself tell them who you are and let's pray i'm going to close this out in prayer if you're still praying that's fine just keep on praying God is moving. Father, I thank you, Lord, for all of your people that came tonight, Father. I ask that you bless them, O oh God. I ask that you keep them, Lord. This week, Father, let them be used by you in ways they never thought they would be, God. A word of encouragement, a prayer for someone that needs it, a blessing to somebody that's in the time of need. Let them be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we thank you, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.